You're listening to the Straight Up Saints Podcast. And welcome inside the Straight Up Saints Podcast. It's your host, Chris Rosvoglu. Make sure, as always, to follow me on Twitter, at Rosvoglu Report, and on Instagram, at Saints underscore Straight Up. And there isn't that much going on in the NFL, for being honest right now, but that doesn't mean that there aren't enough topics to talk about and bring you guys another episode strictly talking about your New Orleans Saints. And with that being said... It's been a pretty hectic offseason in terms of quarterback movement, a couple of key signings, a couple of big trades like DeAndre Hopkins, Stephon Diggs, and it leads me to the topic of whether or not this NFC is still for the taking. And with that being said, if the NFC is for the taking, are your New Orleans Saints going to have another chance at a Super Bowl, which they've been knocking on the doorstep for three straight years, but haven't been allowed to get in, and that's been an issue for them. And when the Saints lost to the Vikings in the playoffs this past season, I went out and said I thought the championship window slammed shut. And then I looked back at what happened in the NFC, and I don't think anyone really separated themselves from the others, which means the window might still be open for the New Orleans Saints, and I'll explain why in just a little bit. But before I do that, I want to talk about the latest report involving Drew Brees, and it's an interesting one, and one that has people um, not conflicted, but you know, there's a decent debate about it, and it's that ESPN made an eight-figure offer to Drew Brees to be their color commentator from Monday Night Football after he retires, so don't worry about this season. He'll still be your quarterback. But people are wondering, well, does Drew have what it takes? Does he have that personality? And the funny thing is, we all don't know because it's a, it's an uncertainty when it comes to uh, Breeze and broadcasting because we haven't seen him really do it. We've seen you know him do interviews all the time. We've seen him do that Fox show for Super Bowl with Joe Montana and Brett Favre, which was somewhat interesting. But we haven't seen him on a weekly basis. Can you be like Tony Romo, who the transition was smooth, it was effortless, and it just seems like Romo gets it. He has that it quality that makes people love him on TV. And everyone's saying, well, I don't know if Drew should do it. Here's what I say, and I've seen it from watching him on the field. You watch his interviews, the way he conducts himself. I think guys like him, they're wired in a way where if they really think they can do something, they're going to put all they have into it, and they're going to find a way. And I'm not saying he's going to be the next Romo because as someone who, uh, you know, went to school for communications, did a bunch of radio stuff and, and still podcasting, I think Romo is just so above the rest of the field. He's got great humor. He just calls every play. Now, I think Drew can do that in terms of predicting what's going to happen. But Romo just, he seems like a fan. But also, you know, not only does he seem like a fan when he's on the air, he has that respect from everyone because they know what he's done on the field. So it works both ways, and and I just wonder if Drew can do that. I will say this, though, before I finally get into the big topic I want to talk about. There's a lot of quarterbacks that have done it. We've seen Aikman, we've seen Kurt Warner, and I think, we've also seen Trent Dilfer, by the way, and I think that Drew can at least, at the very worst, be a guy like Kurt Warner who continues to get better, and it's not great in terms of, oh, you know, he's must-see TV. If he's on, I want to hear what he has to say, but... He is very good. People do like listening to him. And I think that's what type of category he can fall into if he chooses to do this. This is still an unknown if he will actually pursue this opportunity. Now, without further ado, let's get into the talk of this episode. And it's whether or not the championship window is open for the Saints. Spoiler alert, I think it is. But we have to get into the reasons why it actually is still open. Because again, this is coming from someone who said, I thought it'd be closed. And... The reason I still think the Saints have a chance to win a Super Bowl and a chance to win the NFC is because this offseason has been so crazy, so hectic, 
I can't tell you who's the clear-cut favorite, which actually bodes well for a team like the Saints because they're you. if you don't have a favorite, what are you going to rely on? You're going to rely on a couple things. A head coach you can trust. The Saints have that. A quarterback you can trust. The Saints have that. A team that has playoff experience, that championship pedigree, the Saints have it. And I know some of you are probably going, how the hell do they have championship pedigree? They haven't won a championship since 2009. Not everyone's the Patriots. Actually, no one's the Patriots, but the Patriots. And the fact that they were able to win so many Super Bowls is just insane. Championship pedigree in today's NFL, do you have playoff experience? Have you been in big games? You have championship pedigree. For example, the Eagles only won one Super Bowl so far in the Doug Peterson era, which is obviously very good. They have that championship pedigree because when Nick Foles got them into the playoffs two seasons ago, everyone was saying, don't let the Eagles in. Why? Because you trust them. They've played in big games. They know what they're doing. I think the Saints have that it factor where it's like, yes, have they lost close games? Absolutely. But if the Saints get in, they're as good of a bet to win as any other team in the NFL. And look at the ways they've lost on the last play of games. A Minnesota miracle, the no-call leads to an overtime where they lose on a 57-yard field goal. This past year, they lose on a game-winning touchdown in overtime. They have lost on final plays. It's not like they're losing these games thoroughly. It's one miss uh, mishap here, another uh, mistake there, and then they win that game, and the whole narrative changes. So that's one reason why I think the Saints are in good position. And this is the most important reason why I do think they're in, the, in a great position to win another Super Bowl. What happened this offseason? No one in the NFC that was a contender last year got better. And let's go through it, and I'll explain why. The 49ers, they traded DeForest Buckner for the 13th overall pick. And I know you're going to say, yeah, well, now they have the 13th overall pick. They could add a Jerry Judy. They could add CeeDee Lamb. They can add a Javon Kinlaw. I get that. And I think the Niners, from a logistics standpoint, made the right move. You you sell high on a guy you're never going to extend anyway for $21 million a year. Kudos to John Lynch. But in terms of next season, you lose one of the best defensive linemen in football. DeForest Buckner is a monster. There's a reason why the Colts paid as much as they did to get him. Then who they lose? Emmanuel Sanders. And you guys are very familiar with that name because he's now part of the New Orleans Saints. And I'll talk about why Sanders is such a big addition for the Saints in a little bit. But in terms of a loss for the Niners, you lose a locker room veteran. You lose a guy who's reliable on third down, clearly had decent chemistry with Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, and it's just another weapon that you don't have at your at your disposal. And I'm sure they might pick one up in the draft, but you don't know if they're going to be able to have an immediate impact the way Emmanuel Sanders can. So that's the number one seed in the NFC from last year. They didn't get better. How about the Packers, the number two seed? I can make an argument with you guys right now, and you guys could say I'm crazy. It would not shock me the Packers don't make the playoffs next year. And I'll lay a couple of reasons why. I think the Packers were very fortunate to win 13 games. I know that's that's an easy saying to, to have. Um, and everyone says you are what your record is. They weren't. And we all said it. We said they were frauds from the beginning. They, they squeaked by Detroit a couple of times. They squeaked by Chicago a couple of times. What they were able to do is win very close one-possession games against weak opponents in the division. They beat Detroit by a field goal. They beat uh, Chicago by a field goal. Games where if the Packers lose those, not only are we talking about them not winning the NFC North, we're talking about are they going to even make the playoffs? And I think we can see them have a significant drop back to 10 wins, to 9 wins, and it wouldn't surprise me because, one, I don't think their head coach is that good. Two, I think their quarterback is declining way faster than experts want to admit um, because they love Rodgers so much. And three, they didn't get better. They lost Blake Martinez. They substituted him with Christian Kirksey. 
that's a downgrade. Now, I know Blake Martinez is a little overrated, but Martinez is a healthy, reliable option. Kirksey hasn't been healthy since 2016, 2017, around that area. They lose Brian Bulaga. I get it. They, they, they get another tackle from Detroit, but losing Bulaga is going to hurt. He's a veteran. He's experienced. That's a big loss. They needed to address the wide receiver position. Well, did they get Emmanuel Sanders? No. Did they get Robbie Anderson? No. Did they get Brashad uh, Perryman? No. They didn't get any of those top three guys, um, and they also didn't add any of the sub-tier ones, like an Amendola, Randall Cobb. They did not get better at that position, and they needed to, and they didn't address it, and that's a big loss there. So that's your two seed. The Saints are the three seed. I'll talk about the Saints last and why I like what they did this offseason, but I'll go to the four seed now and talk about the Philadelphia Eagles. I tip my cap to the Eagles. They got better in the secondary. They added Roby Coleman. They added Will Parks. They traded for Darius Slay. That's a much improved secondary. But what Philly did not do is address their holes on the O-line. They lost uh, uh, Big V. He's, he went to Detroit. They lost Peters. Well, he could resign, but everyone's saying it's looking like it's not going to happen. So they lose two of their offensive tackles, which is definitely a big loss. You lose Jordan Howard in the running game. And that's a team similar to the Packers. No wide receivers. Green Bay is lucky they have Devontae Adams, but Philly, no one outside of Ertz, who's a tight end, and they don't improve. They keep Alshon Jeffrey, even though they said they might trade him. They did not add any wideouts, even though they were linked to uh, Robbie Anderson. They also lost Nelson Aguilar, who, you know, granted has been the the laughingstock of that team, did not get any better. And now it's almost like Philly and Green Bay are tying themselves to saying we have to take a uh, wide receiver with our first-round pick. That's not the way to go. You want to be able to go BPA when you're those teams. And if you can't go best player available, you're only hurting yourself. So we'll see now because the Eagles and Packers did not address those needs. Let's move over to the five-seed guys, and let's talk about uh, the Seattle Seahawks, who I think that's a team similar to the Packers. If they slide, it wouldn't shock me, and I'll tell you why. I love Russell Wilson. I think Russell Wilson is the second-best quarterback in the in the National Football League behind Patrick Mahomes right now. And I think with Wilson, you're very fortunate because you're in every game, and you could win every game because he's that good. He doesn't make mistakes. He's clutch when you need him to. A very talented quarterback. But there's an issue to that. It's that the Seahawks have nothing else going for them outside of Russell Wilson. Did they get better on offense? No, they didn't add any skill players per usual. Yeah, look, I, I think... Adding Philip Dorsett's okay, but I don't think that's a move to write home about. They did add Dunbar on their defense, which I think will help, but they might lose to Jevion Clowney. Jevion Clowney's still a free agent. We'll see what happens with him. If the Seahawks lose Clowney, there goes your top defensive lineman, I'd say, um, for next season. So that's a big loss there. And the last thing about Seattle, similar to Green Bay, too many one-possession wins. You know, they have to go into overtime with Jameis Winston and the Bucks just to win. That's not a good sign. I don't know if you win that game in 2020 because in football more than any other sport there's so much turnover that you might win all the one possession games this year and the following year you lose all of them and that's just the way it goes that's just it's it's football's obviously you need the talent you need the coaching staff but you also need a little bit of luck to go your way and, th and that's what plays a factor in all of this now let's get to the six seed the vikings we all hate minnesota i get it they did not get better at all minnesota's struggling um in terms of what they did this offseason they lose Stephon Diggs in a trade. I know they get back first-round pick. They get back a couple of mid-round picks. But you lose a wide receiver who's been so big for them for the last couple of years. Um, and now without Stephon Diggs, basically, if you're a defense, you hammer in and zone in on Adam Thielen, and you don't have to worry about the guy opposite of him. For me, 
I think that's such a big win for teams like the Saints, teams like the Niners, teams like the Packers. The, the thing about Diggs, and I never thought Diggs was an elite wideout. I think Diggs with Thielen, though, is an elite combination that a couple of teams are lucky to offer that. There's not a lot of teams that have a better tandem than, than the, those two, if there is one that's better than those two. Um, so to, to break those up and have Diggs in Buffalo, that's a big loss for Minnesota. How about that defense? I know they weren't great last year, but they lost their entire secondary this offseason, and no one's talking about it. They lost Trey Waynes. He signed a big deal, I believe, with Cincinnati. They lose Mackenzie Alexander. That's a big loss right there. They lose uh, Xavier Rhodes. He signs with Indianapolis because they cut him. They lose Lindvall Joseph. They lose Stephen Weatherly, um, and they lose J. Ron Curse. So those are about six to seven defensive guys that Minnesota used a lot last year are no longer there. So they need to completely revamp the secondary. They need to get better on the defensive line. Oh, and I didn't mention him. Everson Griffin's still a free agent, so another big name that Minnesota has relied on. Their defense is not going to be the same next year. There's going to be so many moving parts. Their offense lost, I would say, their second or third best player. I'm going to put uh, Dalvin Cook first, and then you guys can argue Thielen and Diggs. But their second or third best player. They re-signed Kirk Cousins, so now Kirk Cousins doesn't feel this pressure to perform, which I think is is good and bad because you could get a little lackadaisical, um, but at the same time, all right, whatever, the pressure's off Kirk Cousins. So Minnesota doesn't get any better. If anything, I think that got significantly worse than any other team in the NFC. I strongly feel that way about Minnesota. I do not think they got better at all. I think they got a lot worse, and that's going to help the New Orleans Saints. And let me just talk about a couple of playoff contenders who didn't make it last year, what they did, and whether or not it should scare you real quick, and then I'll move over to the Saints. Let's talk about the Cardinals. They add DeAndre Hopkins. That's cool and all, but their O-line's still bad. Their secondary's not that great. Their coaching staff is a little unpredictable and also unproven. I'm not ready to just crown the Cardinals as that next contender. Let's talk about the Cowboys. They lose Byron Jones. They lose Malik Collins. They lose Jeff Heath, Jason Witten, Randall Cobb, Travis Frederick retires. Too many losses. They still got to pay Dak Prescott. I am not a Mike McCarthy guy. Leave me out on the Cowboys. The Giants are rebuilding. The Redskins are rebuilding. No one trusts the Lions. The Bears added Nick Foles and Jimmy Graham. Those were their two big moves. I'm out on Chicago. Um... And the division real quick. Let's just look at it. The Bucks add Brady. Cool. And they re-signed Barrett. They re-signed JPP. They re-signed Adamic and Sue. But they haven't done as much as people thought. Remember, after Brady signed, Adam Schefter goes, watch out for the flock. These, you know, There's going to be so many free agents that want to go to Tampa Bay. I'm still waiting. I, I'm, I'm still waiting for that to happen. It hasn't. Um, so I'm really interested to see if that does actually transpire. But there aren't a lot of good uh, options on the market anymore. Um so I don't think the Bucks got. Do they get? Did they get better with Brady? Yes. Did they get as? Uh, you know, are they as improved as people think? I'm a little skeptical about that. You guys know my stance on TB12 and where he at, where he's at in this point of his career. How about the Panthers? They lose Cam. They lose Keekley. They lose Greg Olson, Mario Addison, James Bradbury, Vernon Butler. Too many names to lose. Too many names to lose. And remember how bad they were after Ron Rivera got fired. I know Matt Rule is a better coach. I know they added Bridgewater and Robbie Anderson. I do think, though, that the Panthers are in a, I'm not even going to say rebuilding year. It's a transitional year. They have to figure out what they want to come before I could even say it's a rebuild or a contender. Let's see what they are. I think they're a six or seven win football team at best, um, and and we'll see how that happens. Um, As for the Falcons, they lose Vic Beasley. They lose Devontae Freeman. They lose Desmond Trufant. They add Todd Gurley and Dante Fowler. The Dante Fowler move is an upgrade for sure. 
Todd Gurley, if he is an upgrade over Devontae Freeman, it's not by much, man. Arthritis in your knees for running back is just the worst possible combination. Now, I got through all the NFC teams, and you're probably sitting there going, Chris, what the heck? I want to hear about the Saints. And in a way, the reason I did that for you was to lay out the groundwork. The NFC has not gotten better. The NFC, I can make an argument, has gotten worse. And that's the ideal thing for the Saints because this is what the Saints did this offseason. They signed Emmanuel Sanders. They signed Malcolm Jenkins. They re-signed David Onyemata and Drew Brees. They lost Von Bell, Teddy Bridgewater, Eli Apple, A.J. Klein. To me, that's a winning offseason. And I'm going to handle some of the questions you might have right now. The first one, oh, well, we lost Eli Apple. We need to get better in the secondary. That's, what's the dra- that's what the draft is for. And also, don't, re- don't forget, they added uh, Dietrich Nichols from uh, the XFL. He led the XFL in interceptions. Maybe he's a playmaker for them year one. You never know. But they do have depth there. And I'll say this about Eli Apple. He has hit a ceiling. I know that sounds crazy. This is it. He's a good corner when things are working out. And when it's not working out, you're screaming at your TV, turn your head around, and he's just not doing it. And that's that's what you've learned with Eli Apple. And that's at least what I think he's become. So losing him is not that big of a loss. Thank you for the compensation pick. Losing Von Bell, a lot of people are, this, this is the one where people are debating on. Is losing Bell, uh, you know, would you rather have Von Bell or Malcolm Jenkins? Is it bad that they lost Bell and added Malcolm? Here's how I see it. Malcolm's a leader. Malcolm's better in in, uh, pass coverage. And Malcolm, similar to what I said with the Saints team, championship pedigree. He's a two-time Super Bowl winner. And I think that's something this team needs. The secondary is young. They still got Gardner Johnson. They still got Marshawn. They still got Marcus Williams. They need guidance. And that's what Malcolm Jenkins is going to bring them. And I like that move. And here's what I'll say about Von Bell. I think Von Bell's a heck of a player. But Von Bell is limited in some regards of what he can bring. I think Malcolm, at least for the first two years of that deal, might be able to be better. That's just how I see it. Um, As for Teddy, you know the deal. I love Teddy Bridgewater. I'm a big Teddy fan. He does not add anything to the team unless Drew goes down. And let's be real, if Drew goes down for a second straight season, that's not a good sign for the Saints. So that's the way I'm trying to see it from this point of view, is that would it be awesome to have Teddy Bridgewater? Absolutely. But Teddy Bridgewater is useful when the starter goes down, and that's just not the situation you want. Like, yes, if your starter goes down and Teddy Bridgewater's your backup, you are in excellent hands. I can't say that enough. But you don't want your starter to go down. So it's a loss that you live with. And looking at this roster, what did the Saints miss last year? The Saints missed a wide receiver too. They answered that. What did the Saints miss in the secondary? A playmaker. Maybe Malcolm's that playmaker. What did the Saints miss on the O-line? They missed one versatility and two depth. They did not add depth yet, but with bringing back Pete, I think you can go O-line in the draft and you bring in fresh blood. You bring in someone who could push the offensive guards, who could swing out on screen plays and uh, any pitches to the left or the right. I think the Saints have that option. The Saints didn't lose any important pieces. Um, The guys that they lost were players who they had a price on and they were willing to lose if they had to, and you saw that in free agency. They paid for what, they, what they're what um, they looking for. And this is the funny thing. The David Onyemata deal is the one that's got people up in arms saying, oh, how can you pay him $9 million a year? He's not that good. You don't pay guys for what they've done. You pay them for what they think they're going to be. And I clearly think the Saints think David Onyemata hasn't reached his ceiling yet. The Saints are thinking, this guy's only going to get better. Pay him now. And whenever, you know, in three years, if, he, if he's improved by a lot and he's up for a new contract, we'll figure it out then if he has to leave or not. But for now, you pay him what you think he can become. And David Onyemata could become a seven-sack type of guy in a season. 
a lot of people are writing that one, one off. A lot of people are saying, I don't like the deal. It's a little bit of an overpay. I don't think so. I think the Saints are trying to get ahead of the curve and pay him for what this guy's going to do in the next year or two. And I think we're going to see that with David Onyemata. So basically, this Saints roster, it has his holes. They could use another QB. They could use another wide receiver. They could use another offensive lineman, use another linebacker, use another DB. I would like you to find me a team that doesn't have a lot of holes. Who's that team? The Chiefs and the Ravens. Guess what? The Saints don't have to worry about the Chiefs or the Ravens unless they make the Super Bowl. Let's be real. And I know they're playing the Chiefs this year, but you worry about that when it gets there. You don't have to worry about the Chiefs or the Ravens in the playoffs unless you get to the big game. And guess what? In the big game, I don't care about your holes and your weaknesses. The Colts were better than the Saints in 09. The Saints still won. Okay? It's about the better team that day. And that's why I'm not too worried. The Niners have holes. The Packers have holes. The Seahawks have holes. The Rams, the Cowboys, the Eagles, the Vikings, they have issues to figure out. There is a way where I could see the Saints making a run again in this NFC because it's so wide open. No one has separated themselves. And, and that's why I really do love what, I, what I'm seeing, one, from this offseason, two, from the Saints' front office. And I think the interesting thing here is because they have comp, uh, compensatory picks for next year, they're going to have extra ammo. Does this Saints team say, you know what? Instead of five, six, seven rookies to add to this class next this year, why don't we go with three or four? We trade up to make sure we get the best possible guys we can. For example, you pick at 24, you trade into the second round, you add another guy. You trade up in the fourth round to add another guy. And you only bring three to four rookies in next year, but you know they're going to be impact players. And my thought process on that is what we just saw this past season. What did the Saints do with limited picks? They brought in Gardner Johnson, immediate impact. They bring in Eric McCoy, immediate impact. The Saints know what they're doing. They scout talent very well. And I think this is a chance now in the draft for them not only to solidify themselves as a legit contender in the NFC still. But to separate from the pack, someone needs to do it. I think the Saints can answer the call. And if you still have doubts about it, I want you to let me know on Twitter. I want you to let me know on Instagram, message me, whatever. What do you think about the NFC picture? Do you Where's the, the clear-cut favorite in your eyes? Who, who is the clear-cut favorite? And if you don't think the Saints are going to be a contender, what's your reasoning? But I'm going to say that you guys are going to agree with me. And the reason I think that is because, one, we're Saints fans, and two, the team is still really freaking good. I'll say this about the Saints. 2018 felt like the year. I know you guys all agree with me. It did. But that doesn't mean they can't have that magic again. Last year just never felt right. It was 13-3, and but just something was missing until the very end, and then they lost to the Vikings. And it's because of the one-game playoff nature, anything can happen. The Saints play the Vikings 10 times. Maybe they win a series and we say, you know what, on to the next round. But in one game, anything happens. The Saints weren't ready. They can recapture that magic, guys. I'm telling you, this team is still very capable of doing so. And if if Drew's healthy and he's playing at a high level and the defense is playing at a competitive level, I think this Saints team can win 11 games, win 12 games, and you'll see them in the picture uh, for another Super Bowl um, at least a Super Bowl run, and that's what we're all hoping for. But again, like I said, the NFC, one, it's wide open, two, the Saints out of town, and three, the top teams did not get any better. I think they all got worse, for the exception of the Saints. I think the Saints got better. And the Saints lose quarterback depth, but in terms of the rest of the roster, I do think that they got better. Now, that's going to do it for this episode of Straight Up Saints. If you guys listened through the, through the entirety, I want to thank you so much, because let's be real, it was in terms of NFC playoff picture, it was pretty packed. It wasn't just Saints. It was Niners, Packers, Rams, all that stuff. So I want to thank you guys 
for listening. Stay tuned, not only for more content, but for interviews. I'm trying to nail some of those home for you guys to keep you busy during this quarantine period, which is not fun at all. I get it. it sucks. Don't, you know, totally agree with you guys there. Um, but while we're, you know, stuck at home and trying to find ways to entertain ourselves, I'll probably string up some Saints questions, some debates, some draft things to talk about, um, just so we could all stay busy during these times. But until then, guys, I want to thank you so much for listening. Um, I hope you enjoy your Monday, enjoy the rest of your week. Uh, and until then, stay tuned for more Saints content because, as, like I said, I'm going to try and keep you guys busy during this dark time.